0: happy new year Year. are you glad i prepared you last week for that (laughs) it is the church's new year so uh this is the first sunday of advent so i love to wish you happy new year on this day did you stay out late celebrating now, <laughs> I know yesterday was a little bit of a, a downer for some of us, so maybe you just crawled into bed and uh, tried to forget that that game happened yesterday, <laughs> that game. <laughs> but it is the church's new year today. And you would think that uh, the scripture that is chosen for the new year by the Revised Common Lectionary would be one that was just so positive and uplifting because that's how we usually start the new year. Uh, You know, when we celebrate the new year, uh, the changing of the year, we start off with the new year's goals and we talk about, you know, some positive things we want to do for next year. And so I always find it interesting that the actual first scripture of the church year is really not like that at all. You just heard it read It is a bit of a disturbing text that you hear in the Gospel of Luke. It talks about distress among the nations. There'll be confusion by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear. It is intense. It is intense. Wow. That's how we start off the church new year. So let's take a look, shall we, at this scripture together. We always have to remind ourselves that it comes in a context. And so uh, we, we wonder, where is this scripture? Uh, where, we can't just pluck it out and read it by itself, but where does it come? Truthfully, it comes from what we've been studying over the last few weeks. Even though we have switched, uh, to, so the church year falls into three years, A, B, and C. A, B, and C, with the Revised Common Lectionary. And so we have three years, and then the scriptures rotate every three years. So we have now entered year C as of this morning. And last week, we were finishing up year B, if you were wondering. (laughs) So now you know that. But uh, it's interesting how the gospel shifts. So we were focusing on Mark, and now we just switch over to Luke. But the story still continues. And so you will remember over the last few weeks Jesus talking about the widow's offering. Do we remember that? Where the uh, woman, and, and Luke, it says, he looked up and he saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, the poor widow has put in more than all of the others because she gave all that she had. Wow. So that's, part of what happened before remember and then Jesus talks about the destruction of the temple they go outside the temple and the disciples look around and in Mark they talk about wow these stones are so huge this building is so it's so amazing and then Jesus prophesies and he talks about the fall of the temple and they ask him remember When is it going to happen? They wanted to be in on what was happening next. And then Jesus goes on to talk about signs and persecutions and what will happen at the end of days. And so this text that we read this morning is just basically a continuation of Jesus' teaching outside of the temple. We haven't even really changed locations in regards to to where the scripture was and where it was happening. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near, says the text. It's the destruction of Jerusalem being foretold. And so this scripture falls into that section Jesus' teachings. I wonder, if it were written today, what might it say? If we were listening for today, what would that be like? Might it say something like images of poverty are all over the world, and it would show pictures that would absolutely break our hearts? And they do would it talk about racism and hatred that pops up in places we would never expect it to would it go on and on about what we see in the news and and what we hear and the stories that just bring us to our knees sometimes with regret for our own our own stories and what we have chosen and sometimes, oh, for the sadness of what we see around us. Hmm. In the text today, we hear about seas roaring and people fainting from fear. But we certainly can understand how it might feel to look at the news and to see these horrible situations And feel broken by it. But wait, the scripture doesn't always give us images of destruction. And it doesn't just foretell all of the horrible things that are to come. This scripture also says something that is just kind of popped in there and we might miss it if we don't pay attention. And it says this. It's a parable. Jesus says, look at the fig tree and all of the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and you know that summer is near. Ah, In the midst of all the chaos, all of the sadness, all of the brokenness in this world, something sprouts. (laughs) Something green pops out of all the death. We have this plant that grows up to the the side of our house that we planted so many years ago. And, And truth be told, we didn't buy it intentionally because of what it was I just was at the nursery and thought it looked pretty, and I thought, oh, that would look good on the side of our house. I like that color of purple, I believe is what I said, and, um, and so we set up a little trellis on the side of our porch, and we planted a clematis. Are you familiar with clematis, everybody? Some of you are. Some of you aren't. So the first year that we had the clematis, uh, it grew up, and it was so beautiful, and it, it, the flowers were so beautiful and vibrant and purple. And then as the fall came, the clematis started to die and it withered into this really ugly brown kind of dead looking thing. And, but before we could get to it and kind of tear it out and clean out that flower bed, it snowed. Have you ever had that habit? Snowed. And then it was all covered up and messy. And you know what? We just never got around to messing with it. <laughs> But the most amazing thing happened in the spring. One day I was rushing off to work and I walked outside on our front porch and I looked over, and do you know what? On that ugly, dead, brown, horrible looking plant that I kept on saying to myself, we've got to clean that off, that looks horrible. Guess what I saw? (laughs) A beautiful, vibrant, green bud popping out Of the ugly, what I thought was dead wood. It came back to life. Actually, it was still living all the time. It was just hidden under all of the brokenness. All of the ugliness. All of that brown stuff that I kept on saying in my head, boy, I got to clean that stuff up but somehow never got around to it. Does any of this sound familiar to anybody? (laughs) But wait, says the scripture. Look at the fig tree. Look at the fig tree. And when you see the branches start to come, you know there's hope. And even in Jeremiah, the scripture that was read earlier, we hear about that, that sprout that comes forth, that root that brings hope. You see, it is Advent. It's time to prepare. It's time to prepare to go home. Because there is still hope. And there is still hope found and home. What do you do to get ready for a trip? What do you do when you go for a trip? We just got back from a trip, our family. And I could tell you what we did to prepare. I made a list. And then I also did something that I suspect some of you do too. I made my list, and then I started checking things off as I started doing them and packing them, but then if I packed anything extra or I did anything extra, what do you think I did? I added it to my list because I wanted to get credit for it. <laughs> Does anybody else do that? <laughs> yes, absolutely, right? So, so we make a list. What else do we do to prepare ourselves for a trip? Let me hear. Laundry, absolutely. Yes. Yes. And back when you get home, laundry. Yes. What else? Clean house. Mm -hmm. You get maps, right? You map out your directions. The first service I heard people say that we have to get gas in your car, you have to buy your plane tickets. There's so many things we need to do when we plan our trips. And we're in that preparation time right now in Advent. We're getting ready. We're getting ready to go home. And we're preparing. And so we're decorating the church. Kurt, right Kurt? <laughs> Steve Cotter helped us immensely with that. And Bill, thank you all. We're decorating. And, and we're preparing for what's to come. On Christmas Eve. You see, Advent is about the joy of longing for home. The kind of home that will complete us. The kind of home that will transform this world. It's about helping us remember that we have a mission. And we have hope. Because the first Sunday of Advent, we light the candle that we refer to as hope. So when we go home, we make our lists, we put things in order, we do our laundry, we clean our house, and we set our minds on our destination. And we decorate our sanctuaries. And we start to remind ourselves that not only are we going home, but our friends, our siblings are also coming home. So we open our arms wide to those who may come home. And we light everything, (laughs) and we light the candle. We light candles on an Advent wreath, not as a countdown to Christmas. We light candles on an advent wreath so they are beacons of light to those who are coming home. Come home. You're welcome here. We've decorated the house for you. And we've lit the candles. And it's all shining brightly waiting for you so you too can experience joy and hope. Does anybody remember the old hotel commercial that they'll leave the light on for you? Everybody remember that? Sam we will leave the light on for you. Can I tell you, friends, I will always leave the light on for you. I will always do that. And we should always leave the light on for one another. This is the season of hope. And so even though right now life might feel hard and we might be looking at the brown, crusty clematis, but there is hope. Underneath that vine lies new life. So don't give up, friends. Come home. The light is on for you. Thanks be to God. Amen.